0: Good morning everyone. it's good to be in the House of the Lord with you this Sunday. Thank you so much for coming it 's uh, it's a highlight of my week to have time with my church family and we, we get together a lot of little of us in little spots and I got to visit with you some, some of you this week and, and talk to you others and text back and forth with others but it's nice to connect with you as a large group and as Bill was saying um, really feel like God has something in store for Machias Community Church as far as being part of building his kingdom right here in Machias. And this community picnic, you know, we're just reaching out to say, what can we do? How do we start this? And, you know, I'm trying to get out into the neighborhood and just talk to people and and, and connect with people that are walking down the trail. But I, I need your help. I mean, the church needs your help. God doesn't actually need us, but he will use us when we submit to him and so we thought ah, a picnic would be great and again it just gives me an excuse to go into people's door i i've had some issues you know pretty much now i got to wait for people to come out of their homes and then i attack them um, <laughs> but but people aren't big on coming around and knocking on your door you know just to say hey here i am and, and so the 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 handing out of the cards is going to be my excuse to be a little more aggressive in, in getting to people and coming over and saying hello and, and knocking on their door and say hey we want to invite you uh, we're a light hopefully we're a bright light you know you know you're a light too God says that it says but but the thing is do we put it under a basket that's so we, we want to we want to be a light no basket over it to the community around us and you can really help by taking these cards and inviting someone that you know to this. It doesn't have, they don't have to live here. I don't even care if they go to a different church. Just, just invite them. Come down. We're going to have such a great family time. It's really important for us to be serious about the Great Commission of, of sharing the hope we have with others. We're going to talk today about hope. I'm going to need the kids to come up, and then we're going to begin our conversation about hope i got to move some of this out of the way. So all you little little people, well, I shouldn't say that. All of you that consider yourself kids, come on up. I don't care how old you are. All right. How you doing? You guys can go ahead and have a seat. I'm going to come around front because we got all this stuff. We don't have as many today, I'm, but I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, this this is a great group. We're going to be starting up Kids Jam again in, in uh, September, and I just can't, I cannot wait. I just can't wait. You guys are so much fun. All right, <clears throat> we watched The Wizard of Oz yesterday. I'm not sure that it resonates with this generation. Um, we were talking about how magical it was when we were kids watching The Wizard of Oz. It was a one time a year for all you younger people. They would only play it one time a year and man we knew when that was and we were, we were unfortunately we were so into it that it was used as, a, as leverage. <laughs> right? I remember one time we didn't clean our room all the way and my mom said, hey, you don't clean your room, no Wizard of Oz. It was very effective <laughs> as a motivator. Um, but so we watched it last night, and, and um, it brought back some nostalgic feelings. But what it, what it actually reminded me of was the innocence of being a child. And so some of this is going to be for you guys, but you're probably not as jaded as most of us as we got older. Um, but we're going to talk about hope. So everybody, I don't know if you guys, your life is maybe way better than what I, what I remember, but... Um, Everybody seems to have a hope that there's something better than what they have, right? And I know you guys are young still, but, you know, you're getting, where you're starting to think, well, and I know your dad's probably coaching you, what are you going to do, Paxton, when you get older? What do you want to do, you know? What kind of a life do you want for yourself? And, and we all kind of want that, at least as adults, we, we want, we want, and we want to know that there's something better. Most of the time, you, we, we, no matter what we have, it's never enough. And so we just there's something better, and we have hope. And so there's hope for the next life, and then there's hope for this life. Now, the, here's the question for you and them, but more you. What do you put your hope in? Now, we're going to talk about it in the passage, which you're thinking, oh, how does that relate to hope? But it does. But we, we put our hope in a lot of different things, don't we? Um, so sometimes, again, this is probably more us than you. What's that? Money. money. Sometimes we think, you know what? My life would be so cool if I just had more money. Now, you guys, again, probably don't think like this, but we do. We do. We think like this a lot of the time. So we, we put our hope if we can just have enough of this stuff, what do you think? You think that works? No, I don't think so either. Um, how about if we just, oh, we could have, all, you know, the, the things that really make us feel good and in, in like, oh. Yeah. This is, there's, there's medicinal qualities in this. <laughs> it's chocolate and peanut butter, my two favorites. And you think, oh, if I, if I could just have as much candy as I could eat, life would be so cool. Right? (laughs) Now, we get a little bit over the candy. I remember Halloween was so such a big thing because, man, I could have as much candy as I wanted. And if if my life was just all eating candy, wouldn't that be so cool? Or, you know, if I could just, spend more for you guys, spend all my time in front of the television playing video games. We had my grandson and granddaughter over, and they stayed up really, really late playing Minecraft. And that was cool because, hey... Now, me, I didn't ever play video games, but, you know, they sit there for hours and hours. Wouldn't life be cool if it was just one big video game fest? No, no. That probably isn't going to do it for you either. Um, How about if you had the world's coolest car or other stuff? Now, again, you guys probably aren't thinking too much about it the cars you have. But, you know, wouldn't it be cool if when I got older, if I had a just really nice house and, and a cool car like this? You can't have this, by the way. Um, it's mine. Or, or what if I had somebody, if I was so famous, I made movies like this, Annie, you know, and, and people are on there, and everybody knew my name. And, and they all, like, man, I'm famous. And they just want to get your autograph. And And you think, my life would be so good if I was just famous. What do you think? Social media influencer? I know that's probably more up up you guys' line. No. You know what? Most of the people that make movies, they aren't really that happy or certainly not happier than you. This one probably isn't going to work. How about if you just had... If I just had more friends and, and people liked me and, and I just added even more people and, 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 and I find that person that just loved me and gave me everything I wanted out of life and told me how cool I was and, and, and more and more and more. Sit up there. We think that would do it? You think we can find hope in other people? Probably not. Probably not. Um, how about just really cool experiences? Like, I want to go here. Like, I went there to Paris. Paris. I was in Paris, and I saw the Eiffel Tower. And I came home, and I had the same amount of problems I had when I left. (laughs) Maybe more so, because I had to pay for it. But you think, boy, if I could just... There's so many cool things I want to experience in my life, and my life would just be so good in this life... If I could just have some really cool things that I did and saw and experienced, what do you think? Now, again, you guys are not to the age where you start to contemplate too much about the next life, but you you understand, right, that we aren't going to live forever. And then what happens then? Do you think we just go away? No. We live forever, right? One way, in one place or another. And so people are also concerned about... Where are they going to put their hope in the next life? Okay, so they ask themselves, well, first of all, they, they might just say, and many people say this, I don't believe there is a next life. I think this is all there is. And so their hope is not all this stuff. And that's kind of sad because they're wrong. And even if they don't believe it, there's another life after this one. And where do we want to spend this the next life? What do you think? With God? In heaven? Yeah, that's what I want to do. But what if you put your hope in the next life on just going to the right church? You think that would work? If I just go to church, then my next life will be perfect because I'll get to go to heaven. If I just go to church. You think? No. So easy. How about, I made this little guy, how about if I was just really good If my behavior was really good, like, oh, I'm just the perfect little angel, and I did everything right, and I followed all the rules, is that going to do it for going to heaven? No, I don't think so either. How about if I just, even though I wasn't very good with my behavior, I had a really good heart, a really big heart for people. I loved them. You think? No, I don't think so either. How about if I just, well... I, I know God, and I, and, I, and, I, and I want to be with God, I, and I found out about him in the Bible, I know about him and stuff, you think that'll do it? Because mm, no. knowing about God, even knowing God is, isn't enough according to what this tells us. So what we find is that if we want hope in this life, and we want hope for the next life, there's only one place that all of our hopes have to go. Where is that? We take all the hopes of this world, their people and stuff and experiences, and then we say, yeah, and my knowledge of God, and I'm, and, I, and I'm a pretty good person, and, and I really, really do love people in my heart, and I go to church. But what does the Bible tell us? Where does our hope belong? In Jesus, that's right. Because all these other things pass away. Knowing God isn't enough. Having stuff isn't enough. Finding success, what we call success, when having all the stuff you want, is not going to be enough. So you guys have learned, and I know from Kids Jam, that, that what do we need to be with God for all eternity? We need to have Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And that's the only hope we have. And you guys are on the right road for that. I know, because I talked to you at Kids Jam. All right, thank you very much. Remember, this is our only hope. Okay, so... Jeff was right, this is for old people. <laughs> Satisfying or solidifying our hope, the story's end. So let's take a look at 1 Thessalonians. Let me read the passage for you first. You're going to be familiar with a lot of this. It's 1 Thessalonians and we're in chapter 4. If you want to turn with you in your own Bible. Uh, And let's read through this and just see what it is that Paul is trying to say. Um, I'm going to flip to him again, but let me just read it first. We do not want you to know or to be uninformed about those who are asleep or dead, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For even since we believe that Jesus died And he rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring him, with him, all those who have already fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud cry of command, and the voice of an archangel And with the sound of a trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air so that we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, how many of you have studied this particular occurrence before? Yeah? What, what do you call it? What do you call it? There's, there's a term people, people use for this. Second coming, the rapture, okay, yeah. The Bible calls it the second coming. Um, <clears throat> but Let me give you a little background of why Paul is speaking about this. You know... From, from previous sermons, you know, he starts the church in Thessalonica. And he gives them the, the message of salvation, the gospel message. And he's there for, they say, three to six months probably, and then he's chased out of town, and he goes down around the peninsula and, and down back in through Athens and Corinth, where he probably writes the letter to the Thessalonians from Corinth. He takes and gives the letter to Timothy and sends Timothy back to Corinth, or back to Thessalonica, to check on him because he just loves him so much and he's afraid. And sure enough, they have some issues. And, And one of those issues was that people were going around and saying two things. One, Jesus has returned and you missed it. Jesus has returned, and you missed it. And, and then they're saying this, oh, and guess what? You're not really going to make it unless you're alive when Jesus comes back. So if you die before He comes, so sorry for you. You're left out. Now, maybe maybe there'll be some good things in store for you, but you're not going to be part of, the, of the, the marriage feast of the Lamb, and you're not going to be resurrected with a new body. Um, and so there was some misinformation going around now if if you if you only had the message of salvation and you, and all you heard was this is how you're saved this is how you escape the punishment and and that's all you knew and and maybe there are people that Paul was talking to who maybe that's all they got you know they, they got enough to say okay in order to be saved, you, you got to recognize that Jesus was the Son of God, you got to recognize that He came as a man, He lived a perfect life, and then He sacrificed Himself on the cross, which paid the penalty for your sin, and now you're saved and you are escaping the wrath of God in the next life. Okay, so... That's true, and that's the gospel. But, but what if that you didn't know anymore, and then all of a sudden you started hearing things that said, well, yeah, but that's only for people who are alive when Jesus returns, because He's coming back. Or, um, you know, you, you, want, you, you, you can't be part of this, or you, you actually missed it, and so even though you thought you were one of God's children, He's already come and gone again, and, and you're not part of it. How much hope would you have? And so Paul is filling in some blanks about the truth of what is going on. The truth so that he could solidify their hope knowing all of the story. What do you think you really need? You you know that that I'm a big picture kind of guy. And you know I, I'm looking at this and I'm, I'm I'm understanding Paul Paul is filling in some blanks in this process that that you're on, he, because God God wants us to know the full story, and then then we can have a clear picture of what exactly it is we can expect. So so. I know I say this, and I I wonder if I'm going to cause a problem by saying this, um, but I say it anyway. So people would say your your hope is in Jesus, but it's it's true, but in a in a in a different way than maybe you're thinking. You know, because the same way you can just believe in God, that isn't going to save you, and you can believe in Jesus, and, and maybe it saves you, but but what, do you, what is it that you actually need? Now, we went through the stuff with the kids. You know, do, do you, well, you know, if I was just to go out into the neighborhood and say, what do, you, what do you really need in life? Well, I'd like a better job. Or I'd really like to find that perfect mate and have a wonderful, fulfilling marriage. Or I'd really like to you know accumulate enough stuff so I could retire in comfort. Or, um, you know, I, I, I really would like to have my health back or you know I I'd, I'd really like to be free of this addiction that I've got or or I'd really like to be a better person okay you get that from the rest of the world but what what about christians and they might say well what I really want to be is is Delivered from my sin, or what I really want to do is to be a better servant, or what I really want out of the, in life, what I really need is to have more love. And I say, well, kind of. Let me tell you what you really need, because this is the only thing any human being ever created, ever needed. You need. An intimate relationship with God, devoid of any barriers from sin. You need a perfectly restored relationship with God. You were created for that. That is your greatest need. That is the greatest need of every human being ever. All of the rest of that stuff comes from that. In the end, in this life, you aren't necessarily going to get freedom from your sin or you aren't necessarily going to have all of your problems taken care of or your addictions healed. You may have most of them and and you may find yourself being able to love more and serve God more, but in the end, what you really need is perfect relationship with God with no sin in the way. Everything else flows out of that. That's what you were created for. That's how it's going to end for those that belong to God. That is the goal. That is the hope. The hope, I mean, you can say the hope is in Jesus, and it is, but really the hope is that what Jesus did for you is going to result in this unbelievably intimate relationship with God forever in eternity in heaven. That's the hope. All the rest of it is the process, and the process goes like this. First of all, you have to recognize and agree on where we all started talked about this yesterday in in our men's breakfast, so I share. These guys in men's breakfast, they always get a little taste of what the sermon is because that's what I've been thinking about for all week. We all started out like this. I was born with a death sentence, and I'm guilty, and I'm on death row, and I have no hope. Every single one of us were born. In that condition as far as God was concerned not only that I am absolutely and completely addicted to the behavior that got me there I am a sinner and I'm addicted to it and I'm good at it every single one of us we have a two-year-old that runs around our house and it's very clear (laughs) he he is a broken individual (laughs) He wants what he wants, and when he wants it, and when he doesn't get it, he lets you know. Sin is alive and well, even in the life of a two-year-old. I'm not going to get into the age of accountability, but I believe the Bible tells us we're all born sinners. From sinful, polluted, broken material, and, and introduced into a broken, sinful, selfish world. That's where we start. If the goal, if the hope is a perfectly restored, intimate relationship with God where all of my needs are going to be met perfectly, that's where I started. So what's the process of starting where we all started and getting to a perfectly restored relationship with God for eternity in heaven? What is the process? The first thing is I have to be reconciled. I have to have the death penalty taken away. And that's by faith in Jesus, by grace alone through faith alone, in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, where it applies to you. I am then moved from an object of God's wrath to an object of God's love, mercy, and grace. Positionally, I have been moved from one category to another. And the death sentence has been lifted. Now, From a worldly standpoint, from this, you know, a a literal um, standpoint, I would still need to be out of jail, wouldn't I? Okay, I got a pardon. God says, I paid for you and all of your sins, past, present, and future. The death sentence has been taken away. But if I'm still hoping for this intimate relationship with God, more things have to happen. I have to be let out of prison... And I have to be cut loose from my addiction to sin. Okay, so God says, I'm going to cut the change for your slavery to your sin nature. And I'm going to give you the ability to get out of prison and start living. Next step, I need to be rehabilitated. Because when I was saved, even though, even though the, the death sentence was relieved, I'm still sinning. And I'm and I'm still selfish, and I still have this sin nature inside me, and so God says, I'm going to begin the process of rehabilitating you. Right here in this life, I'm going to start fixing you, and I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you each other, I'm going to give you my word, I'm going to give you trials, I'm going to give you all of the things that are necessary to see this transformation as you are rehabilitated so that ultimately... We're going to have this perfect, intimate relationship with one another with no sin to get in the way. But in order to do that and finish the rehabilitation, you have to die. Okay. But we know we've, we've died to our old self and we've been born again. But God is not going to finish this process until one of two things happen. You either die... Or as the description in the passage today, he comes back. And so Paul is saying, I am giving you some information to fill in some of the blanks so that you can solidify your hope that you're going to go from this death sentence to the real hope you have, which is an intimate relationship with God, with all of your needs met, everything possible. You can't even imagine You have no concept, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive of the things that God has prepared for those that love Him. That intimate relationship is so far beyond your wildest dreams that there's no perspective by which you can view it now. In order to do that, you're going to have to totally be rid of your sinfulness, so God is going to finish the job in you when you die. Or if you're still alive, he's going to come back and resurrect you and completely change. So we want to know, how is this process work? And if I only have part of the story, it's harder for me to understand the hope that I have I recognize, okay, maybe I already knew I wasn't going to be punished by God, but how does the rest of it work? And so the Bible is full of this the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. I want you to have it all. I want you to have the complete story. Now, is that really true? Do I actually have the whole story? How many of you thought that you would go to heaven and float around on a cloud with angels and just kind of be in this spiritual state in heaven. That's what I used to think. That's so how I grew up thinking is, you know, we, we, we die and we leave this body and we go up to heaven and we're spirits like God and, and everything is wonderful and it's this great white light. Well, hey, I hate to um, uh, pop your bubble if that's where it is. That's not what the Bible says about heaven at all. And in fact, I know I told you this before, and I am a smart aleck, and I would go to the people at the Aquafest, the little church group who was telling me, you know, or asking me the question, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? And I say, no, and neither would you, because that's not where you go when you die. There is some sort of an intermediate place where you wait... And, and some people think you have a body and other people think you don't have a body. Um, the Bible isn't very clear. Um, Jesus talks about, hey, when you, when you, to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. And he said, absent from the body is present, from, present with the Lord. And so I know I'm going to go be with Jesus and I don't really know what that looks like. And the Bible is purposely not specific about it. But I know then according to this passage right here, What's the rest of the story? So let's look at, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep. Meaning what? Are they asleep? No, they're dead. Okay, so Paul has said, I've heard these rumors that you guys are all freaked out because you're thinking if you die before Jesus returns, you're out of luck. I don't want you to be uninformed. I want to fill in the rest of the story for you so that you can solidify your hope and that you will not grieve as others do who have no hope. If that's the story that you were given, that, hey, it's only going to work if Jesus comes back while you're still alive, that would be a real bummer when you or your loved ones died. And so he said, no, 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 look... Your hope isn't based on this life, and you don't need to be alive when Jesus comes back in order to to reach the final goal of intimacy with God with no sin. So here's the deal. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, guess what? Even so, through Jesus, God is going to bring with him back those who are dead. And so they're waiting somewhere with Jesus, according to Scripture waiting for this final time when Jesus returns. For we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that's really important. If you were to look this up and and study it in the Greek, what, what Paul's really saying is, I got this directly from God. I got this directly from God. There are references in the Old Testament about an afterlife, but you know what? Most of the Jews in the old law, they didn't really understand much about the, the next life at all. They, they didn't have the teachings of Paul and, and uh, that we have in the New Testament, which are much more specific. The book of Revelation wasn't written. Um, many of the passages regarding this next life were not written yet, and so they had a very muddy picture. Now, we can go back with the rest of the story just like we can with the advent of Christ, and say, oh, see these prophecies? They were clearly talking about Jesus coming. And so see these other scriptures? What they're really talking about is what it's going to be like in the next life. But there wasn't a lot of information. And so we declare to you, and and so, so Paul says, we declare to you, I got this directly from God. He gave me a vision of how this whole thing is going to end up, and I need to share it with you because you're losing hope because you're thinking, if I'm not alive when Jesus returns, I'm out." And so we can look at this and, 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 and say, you know, we want that same hope. So we declare to you with the word we got from the Lord that those of you who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So basically saying, just because you're alive doesn't mean that you're going to be first or that you're going to get more or that you're going to, we're going to leave out those that are, are dead. For here's how it's going to happen. For the Lord himself is going to come down from heaven with a cry of a command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of a trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ are actually going to rise first. And so Jesus is going to return. Now, hold it. Aren't the dead in Christ with him already? In fact, didn't just say, you're going to be with me forever? We're going to see that. So what's the deal? What's going to happen? What's it saying? What's it saying is going to happen? They're going to be resurrected just like Jesus. Okay, so if they're existing in whatever form they are, the part of you that's really you never dies. It's with God if you're a believer. Well, guess what? He's going to reinsert you into a physical body again. Dead or alive. Okay, so two things are going to happen. The live are going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye in an instant. We're going to see that in, a different, in different passages later. But when I come back, and I am coming back, the first thing I'm going to do is reunite those of souls that are mine with a physical glorified body like I had. Okay, so that's what he's saying. The Lord Himself is going to descend from heaven... With all of this noise, you're going to come back, it's going to be loud, there's going to be a trumpet sound, and there's going to be this loud voice as that of an archangel and a cry of a command, and the dead who are in Christ are going to rise first, and they're going to be risen into new, glorified, physical bodies." That was the metaphor of Christ's resurrection. He was resurrected into a new glorified body. He, he did miracles. He could. How many of you remember when he was just gone? I mean, he came and he, and he showed up in another place. And he walked through doors that were locked. And so the body that he had on his resurrection was not the same. It was God's glorified, perfect body. And that's the same body that you're going to have when Jesus returns If you're dead, then if you're still alive, we who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another or build up one another's hope with this information. He's giving them the rest of the story so that they will have the hope that they deserve when they recognize they haven't been left out. Or what is going to happen? Hopefully, this is an encouragement and is... I don't know. How many of you understood all this already? Yeah? This is how it's going to happen. It's going to come down. We're going to see more of it next time when we talk about the coming of the day of the Lord. Now... I'm going to share with you some truths about this that you're, you can squirrel away whether you have them or not already. <clears throat> but here's what I... I struggled I struggled with this sermon um, because this is a controversial event. How many of you have ever heard the word eschatology? Yeah, it means the study... Of end times how many of you think you have the definitive answer to how all of this stuff ends up I'm glad you have demonstrated your humility nobody raised their hand I can guarantee you I don't I have studied eschatology and I know most of the views and there are many within Christianity, sincere Christian people. Okay, this is what they call the rapture. Okay, some people say there's going to be a secret rapture of the church before Jesus actually comes back the second time. Oh, and then there's going to be, this is going to happen. In the before the tribulation period. This is going to happen in the middle of the tribulation period. This is going to happen at the end of the tribulation period. This is going to happen, but only to some who are living godly lives, and others will have to go through the tribulation period, and they'll be taken up later. And then there's going to be this millennial period, and so we're thinking, oh, this is going to happen before the millennium, or there isn't actually a millennium, or after the millennium, and God is going to come and reign through Christ, on earth for a thousand years, and you get all twisted up around a particular viewpoint. And I can tell you, Scripture has been with us for 4,000 years, and people are still trying to figure this stuff out. How many of you think God knew that ahead of time, that we were going to struggle with this? Yes. God is not dumb. He knows everything, and he says, look, I know these people are going to struggle with this, and so, but, but so I, I look at this and say, there is a reason God has not given us the entire, this is how it's going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, it's going to happen in this order, it's going to happen exactly this way. Could he have done that? Yes. Did he? Obviously not. And so here we have it. And, and so I'm looking at how do I preach this passage without you know, offending some that have this view or offending some that have this view. I have a view of this, and I'm not going to share it with you. <laughs> You've got to come up with your own. But what do we absolutely know from this? Because here's, here's the end point. I spoke, with this, uh, spoke about this with Andy before the, before the service. Almost all of the stuff in eschatology... Almost all is what God's going to do. It's what God's going to do. It is what God's going to do. Very little of it, very, very little of it affects how you are supposed to be living or doing or thinking. And so you can get all wound up about eschatology and that's what seems like most people want to talk about end times, end times and, and this prophecy is being fulfilled and Jesus is going to come back any second and look at how oh this must be in, and isn't the United States in in prophecy and doesn't isn't this mean this and, uh, I could spend a fair amount of my time debating those things but frankly there are so many plain things in the Bible that I still stink at that I'm going to spend more time on those. And so Yes, those views are out there and and I really don't know exactly. But here's what I do know. We're not supposed to divide over it. You can have your own view of eschatology. Maybe it's borrowing pieces and parts from other uh, views and putting your own together. Um, Scripture is just not entirely clear. How much of it is subjective? How much of it is literal? What the timeline is going to be? You know, there are people that... Very well-respected biblical scholars who say, it's going to happen like this. This happens, and this means this, and this symbol means this, and it's going to happen in this exact time frame. And I'm not going to be that arrogant or even pretend to be. But here's what we know. And it should give you hope. And we should be able to encourage one another with these. There are five, five truths I want you to think about. Relating to what most people call the rapture. There is life after death. This is not all there is. Paul, I think, wrote and said, you know, if if in this life only we should have hope, we would be the most miserable of all people. Because this isn't all that great. Great. Our hope is not based on even the wonderful things that God can do for us here, which He can and He does. No, our hope is based on finally getting this unbelievably intense relationship with God with no sin. Okay, so this passage, you can come away with it and say, man, there's something else. Okay, that is the basis of the hope of Christianity, not what God's doing for you in this life, which is still wonderful. But our hope is that it's all one day going to be fixed and we're going to experience God in a way we can't even imagine. Okay, two. Thank you for, thank you for that. <laughs> Somebody's clicking it for me. Um, those who have died don't miss out on the second coming. They, too, are going to be resurrected and changed. No matter what anybody says, God's got it all under control when he comes out if you are already dead you still come to the party you're just waiting somewhere i don't know where bible calls it paradise abraham's bosom sounds like it's pretty cool we don't get a lot of information about it we have the parable of lazarus and the rich man that's about all we have other than to say when you die you're going to be with me so i don't know exactly what that's like i don't know if you have a body but i do know this from that place, wherever you're waiting and your soul is, God is going to reunite it at the second coming with a new body that's glorified and completely changed. Yeah, I am wondering what i will look like. I don't know. Okay, so number three, just like Jesus, our resurrected state is going to include these new glorified physical bodies. From Scripture... You are going to have a physical body in eternity. You are not floating around on a cloud with a harp, singing songs in choruses with angels. You are going to live in a physical existence with a physical body that has no defects. That's pretty cool. Right? That's part, part of the hope. I am going to experience God physically. Four. After Jesus gathers all of his children together, we're going to be with him forever. Now, well, what do you mean, Tim? Is that going to be, are we going to be down here going through the millennial reign on earth where Jesus is reigning from the nation of Israel once again? Maybe. I don't care. What I know is this. When Jesus comes back, he's claiming me as his own, and I'm going to be with him for the rest of eternity. And however he works that out, I trust him. Amen. That's going to be good enough for me, just to be with God, no more sin in my life, to be seen as, and known as I, and, and know God as he knows me. That's amazing. And number five, according to this passage those facts should give us a renewed hope, comfort, peace, and encouragement. I look back, uh, and I know you guys, I found this as we were going through that really tough time earlier in the year. In 1 Peter 3, verses 3 through 7, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again into a new living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, as kept in heaven for me, who, by God's power, me, am being guarded by faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed at the last time. In this, I rejoice, even though for now, for a little while, if necessary, and of course, apparently it's been pretty necessary in my life, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the testing of the genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold and perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, all of the other stuff is going to go away. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to fix it all. In that you rejoice now, even in the midst of trials. And the trials are here. This is where you go, according to God, when life is hard. These are the things that you cling to when trials and the and the storms of life wash over you. You cling to the hope that there is something better, and that God is in control. No one can take it from you, and he's coming back to get you. Amen. Amen. In this, we should find encouragement. In this, we should find our hope, because when we are unfaithful, God is faithful. Let's pray. Dear Father, um, I know, God, you know I know, I need this so badly. Life seems so hard at times, and it doesn't seem to be worth the pain, even for the great joy that I have of being a child of yours, but I have this hope that there's something better. And I, I have that hope because you've made it clear in your word in passages like this one that we just read, that you're, there's nothing I can do to mess it up, that you're coming back and you're going to fix me and take me away if I'm still alive or bring me back and give me a new body if I've already died. And I know that that's, that's what I need. I want all these other things now, but what I really need is that. I need you to come back and fix me. And you've promised me to do that. And in the meantime, we're going to struggle. But Lord, I just thank you that, true to your word, you're going to fix us and take us to heaven where we'll be with you for the rest of eternity and enjoy this intimate relationship with you the way it was meant to be from the beginning. And we thank you and praise you for all of that in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Savior. Amen.